What drives you? What inspires you? Let's ignite your why. Welcome to Ignite Your Why podcast. I'm your host, Austin T. Gullet, and we're here to have genuine conversations with authentic people to help amplify their voice and figure out what ignites their why. Today's guest is G.A. Beal. She was born and raised in Covington, Kentucky, and graduated from Holy Cross High School. She then went on to play D1 basketball at Stetson University. She's currently a color commentary analyst for Stetson University as well. Deja, how are you doing today? I am doing very well. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm always excited to tell a little bit about myself and how far I've come and just what I'm doing with myself these days. I'm super excited to have you on. I literally was like, okay, like thinking of guests, I was like, I got to get Deja on here. <laughs> I was like, everyone in Covington knows who she is. Like, she has probably a good story. Mm-hmm. So speaking of your story, what is your story? Who is Deja Bill? Um, she's definitely a go-getter. Uh, she's a dreamer. I grew up with my brother, uh, mom and dad, same household. Me and Jalen are 10, 11 months apart. Um, so I have a really close-knit relationship with him. Uh, it was always us two. It was always sports. We were always going to school, going to practice, coming in, eating dinner, going to sleep, and repeat the next day. Um, I think some of our greatest memories are the car rides from practice, or driving from one practice to pick up the other kid from their practice, um, eating hamburger helper because that was the quickest meal after, you know, we all get in at eight, nine o'clock sometimes. Um, so that's basically, that was my life in a nutshell, just sports, school, hanging out with friends, and then, you know, going on. And I did that. I started basketball at five years old, me and my brother. I played on uh, the Tar Heels and that's a that's a really known team AAU organization since we were kids and I just my life was basketball my dad was my trainer tough at times but he got me where I needed to be my mom was always the backbone she was the, if I needed to cry I'm gonna go talk to her if my dad was being mean because of basketball <laughs> but you know I had that balance and I think that's what a lot of people don't have but I was grateful to have that balance with mom and dad and having you know a sibling like my brother so that was you know growing up that was our whole life and then I like you said I went to Holy Cross and I played varsity in eighth grade I went to St. Augustine for middle school and Shannon Miner was my coach at the time and he used to come pick me up in the short white buses I know a lot of people remember the short white buses from Holy Cross um, he used to come pick me up when I would get out of school. I would have to change on the bus and I'd have to run into the gym and practice with the high schoolers as an eighth grader. So I started early. And like I said, basketball was my whole life. That's what I did all year round. And then I became well known at um, Holy Cross. If you heard of Holy Cross, you heard of Asia. I was the leader of the team, which of course you love that title. You love playing that role. Feel like I've always been a leader, so that was that's kind of been my story. The whole, the whole route is you know lead by example, figure out how to get everybody together, especially coming from a close family, that you know I knew how to do that already. It was easy for me. It came natural. I didn't win any state championships at Holy Cross though. I feel like I did set the tone. Um, if you mention Holy Cross, they're gonna say, "Oh, D. H. Beal," and I'm glad that I got to leave that mark 
on that program. It was a fantastic school. I loved going there. I loved being there. The atmosphere, the people. Clay Eifert was the best. May he rest in peace, our principal at the time. But that was really just me, a fun, outgoing kid that her life was basketball, but I still made time to be a kid. It wasn't like I drowned myself in sports or anything, but like I said, I had that balance. So it helped me get to probably where I'm at today because then I went to Stetson. Stetson was 14, 15 hours away from home. I did not care. I was ready to take that leap of faith. I wanted to get away. A lot of people wanted me to stay close and play at NKU and it just wasn't for me. I needed to get out of Covington. I love Covington to death, but it's not somewhere that, you know, I want to live the rest of my life or have my daughter grow up here. So I took that journey. It was a very rough one. I wasn't the leading scorer anymore. I wasn't the number one point guard. All I'm with a group of girls. Everybody was good. So I had to adjust. And I think that was my biggest eye opener, but kind of reality check as well. So I went from being everything about DeAsia to who is DeAsia? I had to adjust to a new role. I had to adjust to a new position. I had to learn how to shoot a three better. You know, in high school, I was a driver. So um, I think the greatest thing I did was go down there and it helped me become a better DeAsia that a lot of people don't know today. They only remember the DeAsia from Covington and high school and Holy Cross, but there's another part of me that you know, grew and enhanced going down to Stetson University. I'm thankful for that as well. And like I said, that basketball experience was totally different. College is way harder. People, we didn't have the right preparation. Um, I feel like I didn't as far as going to the next level. Um, D1 is very tough. Any any level D1 is tough, but D1 is, is definitely tough. And that was that was a challenging time in my life. I think right there was college, but to overcome it and be able to talk about it with a smile on my face and be happy that I went through it, I think that's the best thing you could probably get out of it. That's wild because like <laughs> I know you as like DJ from Holy Cross. Uh-huh. And like it's kind of like did you ever feel like you had like pressure on you because like everyone knew who you were, everyone expected you to play great every single time mm-hmm. you stepped on the floor. But did you ever, you say you have the backbone from your family and all of that stuff, but from the outsiders that don't know you and just like expected that greatness every single night, did you ever feel that pressure? Um, The pressure I didn't feel from the outsiders. It was, it was the pressure from my, not even, my family didn't pressure me, but a lot of my family members didn't graduate high school. A lot of them didn't get to go to college. I was like the first one to set the tone. That's where all my pressure had come from. I wanted to be the best. Like I said, I was a leader, so I wanted to lead by example. I had little cousins that came to every game. So the outsiders, I think my dad, he basically, he didn't, he learned, he taught me how to tune them out, take in as much as I could. But if it got too too much, then, you know, let it go, ignore it. Um, like I said, I, now that I look back on it, I feel like I had a very balanced life like I knew how to balance stuff at an early age so of course there was always pressure of course there was always going up against the best athlete on the other team then there was playing offense and defense guarding the best player being the best player so there was always the pressure but as far as the outsiders um, I didn't really let criticism play a factor in determine how I played if I played well then that was on me if I played bad then 
that was on me. It wasn't because of an outsider said this or because there was so much pressure. And of course, I wanted to lead the team to state title and to do all of that. Sometimes you can't do that by yourself, um, even though I did have great teammates and all of that and great coaches. But I think one key thing is that you have to learn how to tune out those outsiders and those criticizers because they don't know the real you. And if they have never played the game or their game isn't exactly like yours, they can't, they can't give their, they can give their opinions, but they can't determine how you're going to come out and play that day or that night. So I think that's something that a lot of kids don't know um, that I wish they did so that they could stay on track and, and focus. But like I said, I feel like I had a great support system who helped me balance that and figure out how to play through it. It's crazy when you say that, because when you were speaking that, I'm like, it's not even just in sports. I feel like that's just like in life in general. Because mm -hmm. I feel like people are going to, they're going to talk, whether yeah. they like it or not, they're going to have their opinions. It's whether you let them in or not. And I think that's just like a life lesson that yeah. a lot of people should know is like, do what makes you happy and mm -hmm. not listen to what other people have to say about whether you're doing a job that they don't agree with or right. et cetera, et cetera. But that's crazy. So for me, thinking of like, okay, basketball has been your life all of this time. There comes a time when basketball was over so yes. how did how did you transition from playing basketball and basketball being your life to it just ending so my senior year um it didn't go as expected we actually won the regular season championship against florida golf coast i don't know if you've heard it then you probably have um that was our rival school we would lose to them in overtimes by one lose one by two we finally beat them my senior year. So we beat them in the regular season championship and then they came to our place for the A-Sun Conference Championship. We lost to them on our home floor by four or five points. And it was so crazy because now that I look back, it's like we had another game to play. We played in like the WNIT or something and we didn't take advantage of that because we were so upset with that previous uh, loss. And I look back and it's like, what if I could have just got everybody or just myself and been like, okay, that game's done and over with. And maybe we would have ended a different way or we would have had another game. I got to go to another practice, lace up my sneakers one more time. And it's like basketball goes by so fast when you're in high school and college that sometimes you don't enjoy it while it's there. And so when I had to make that transition, it was tough. So I moved to Miami and um, I got a job at Finish Line. I went from graduating with a degree and it's like trying to find work and I didn't have any of the resources down there, but I moved to that area um, and I was like, Finish Line? And I'm a college graduate and I have a bachelor's degree in communications and media and I know how to talk and I know how to, and I, I went through a certain point and stage where it was just like, okay, you gotta get it together. So I went from enjoying the poolside and the beach and, and I was like, okay, what's gonna happen next? So then I prayed on it and I prayed on it and I ended up getting a call from Stetson. And they're like, DeAsia, we have a game in a week. Do you wanna come announce it? And I'm like, what? They're like, where are you at? And I'm like, I'm in, I'm in Miami. They're like, okay, it's not that far of a drive. Just come up here. And I was like, what? And I, and I was talking to everybody and I'm like, they want me to do this. I've never done it. Like, I'm going to be nervous. And I'm, everybody's like, just go do it. And I was like, okay. So I drove, I drove to Stetson from Miami. 
Um, I went the day before and I got the notes and I'm looking at all these notes and all the stats and all the players. And I'm like, well, I know Stetson players. I'm like, I just played with them, you know, earlier this year, some of them. And I was like, this other team, I was like, wait, I got to get excited for them. I have to encourage them and get, they're like, yeah, you got to be, you can't be biased. You got to play both sides. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I do that? Coming from, you know, the team that I just played for. So there was a whole bunch of emotions running inside me and just a lot of everything. So I got dressed up and I, they're like, all right, you ready? I'm like, yeah. So I put the headphones on and he's talking to me. He's like, I'm going to coach you through it. This is Jeff Taylor, by the way, he's still my boss. Um, he was like, I'll coach you through it, whatever you need. And I'm like, um, okay, we start uh, the game. Literally, I was shaken. And within 30 seconds, I was fine. The game's going and it's like, I'm looking at it from the sidelines now, which was a little tough to do because I'm used to being on the floor. And he's in my he's in my ear and he's helping me. And by the time the first media break, he goes, Deja. I'm like, yeah. He's like, you sound like you've been doing this before. And I'm like, what? He was like, you sound great. And I'm like, really? So then just all that excitement and I didn't stutter the rest of the game, wasn't shaking anymore. And I was like, I just found a passion that I didn't even know I really had because I've always wanted to be a sideline interviewer, which I still am passionate about that and want to get there someday. But I'm just like, I wanted to just do the sideline interviews, be on camera. And I'm like, wait, but being on the sideline, talking the whole game, giving the insight, because I've always felt like I've been a knowledgeable player. My IQ level has always been up there. So I'm like, this is kind of fun. So I'm like, when's the next game? Okay, so then I went up there, I moved back towards Stetson and I, I did the whole season. So I've been there since 2017 doing that. Um, and I'm excited for this year. It's going back to normal. And that's that's what I'm up to these days. As far as the sports world, I'm still attached to it. Um, I've been thinking about training and doing all of that stuff, giving back. Um, but it's hard to do that with a two-year-old. So, But I'll figure it out. About but that, to be in those terrible twos. Yeah, but that is, <laughs> that is a little bit of that background story of that job just opening up overnight, getting a call a week before, and then, you know, going and killing it. And that's that's my new passion today. It's crazy because if you think about it, if you didn't take this risk, you wouldn't be where you are now. And that's the thing about risk is like the worst thing that can happen is like you figure out it's either not for you or you get told no. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the fear that holds people back so much. It's like, okay, like I'm unsure. Like, I don't know how this is going to go. But sometimes like you just got to take that leap of faith and just like put your trust in and God, if you're religious, mm-hmm. but then it's just like, okay, like follow the path. And it's like, yeah. I know you have a high basketball IQ. So like when you talk about it, I'm like, okay, like this, <laughs> this makes sense. Like yeah. I can, it makes sense because sometimes like that, those make the best announcers. I feel like if you, can, mm-hmm. if you're knowledgeable of the game yeah, and like you're a previous player and you have that IQ, it makes watching the game more enjoyable mm-hmm. from a fan perspective. Like, and it just makes more sense. Yeah, and that was a lot of feedback that I got. So people were messaging me on Facebook, and I've, they're like, well, we used to watch you play, and now that you're talking, it sounds a lot better. I think I know a little bit more now, and I'm like, really? So that is always a plus, and it just makes you feel good about yourself because, like I said, I've been playing ball since I was five, and so I, I know the game inside and out. I bit I did the blood, sweat, and tears. And so now that you get to talk about it, I mean, sports is sports is a big thing. It's a, a stress reliever, it's excitement, it's enjoyment. Um, 
and it's it's a dream come true for a lot of people. So when I when I get that feedback and I'm just like, I'm really doing a job that doesn't even feel like it's a job. And everybody wants to do that. That one, I mean, that's everybody's dream goal is to do something that you love that doesn't feel like it's work that, you know, you get to enjoy. So that was, you know, one of the greatest things. And another great feeling in my life was getting that feedback after my first couple games. And I'm like, this is my first time doing it. And these people are giving me this feedback. Like, is it because I'm from there? Like I played there and, and it wasn't. I mean, my boss was telling me some of the feedback he was getting too. And I was just like, this is really exciting. Like, this is fun. And that that began a new chapter in my life. So that was really great. That's exciting. I'm super interested to see like where it takes you because mm-hmm. like with the sports world opening back up more opportunities yes. are starting to come out and anything of that nature so mm-hmm. i'll keep an eye out <laughs> i'm excited to see you like make it big and see you on espn one day because i feel like that's everyone's dream and that's what i talked to a couple uh, a couple people that you know are up there and um i don't know if you know brooke wisebrod uh, sounds familiar she she does a lot of the sideline interviewing and stuff like that and I just happened to reach out to her on Instagram one day and I was like hey can you give me some pointers I sent her my film she called me back immediately she was like well it sounded like here it sounded like there so she's critiquing me and I'm like wow I didn't look at it like that so I went back and I adjusted and I sent her the next game and she was like wow you corrected that and she told me that you know it took her 15 years to get to where she's at so you know I've commentated a couple of three years um, last year would have been my fourth, but because of, you know, COVID and all of that, but like I said, I am going back this year. So I just have to remember those pointers. And I also have to, I'm, I used to be an impatient person. I used to want everything right then and there, because, you know, when I was in high school, I used to get that whatever I wanted, however I wanted. And then I told you, I got that reality check in college. And now it's like, this is another time where it can happen overnight, but when you're in that field, and a lot of people are already locked in. I mean, you look at the commentators now, all of them are old and they've been there forever. They're just now retiring. And it's like, I want to get to that point though. So even though I'm starting off at a D1 school, I'm still on ESPN starting at the bottom of the line, but I'm going to work my way up there. So that's that's the fun thing about it. And that's the, the joy and looking forward to something to keep working out because before it used to be game by game, all right, what well, next game? What am I going to do the next game? Next practice. So this is my my next move. What am I going to do the next game? Am I, did I work on this? Did I work on that? When am I going to reach? So I think that's kind of fun that I still get to live in that sports world and do that because that's been my whole life and I get to teach my daughter that. So I think it's just a, a cool and fun thing that I'm doing with myself right now. That's the thing about sports. It's like you have to start at the bottom Literally. <laughs> and work your way up no matter what part of sports you're in and Mm -hmm. it's all about like who you know and like connections 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 especially in the sport industry like I like will never tell people like not to make connections because it's key yeah especially in the sport industry we kind of already talked about like your passion um but it brings me to my next segment is like what inspires you but more importantly what ignites your why um what inspires me I think the greatest inspiration um, would have to be my family. They, I mean, there's literally not a time that they haven't been there. There's literally not a time that nobody in my family has picked me up. And I say my family because my aunts and uncles and cousins and like, they've all been there. My mom and dad and brother, they've all been there. So I think it was just 
it was time for something different to happen in their lives. And it's like, I was sent to do that. And they supported it. They didn't knock it or they didn't dim down my light. They didn't miss games. They showed up every time. So I I think my family is my greatest inspiration. And I think a lot of my passion comes from my dad. So we're, we're like the exact same person. So when you have somebody like that and you have a bond with them that's like that, they become your inspiration. My dad didn't have everything that I had growing up. He didn't have mom and dad together. He was raised by another woman, my grandma Momina, and he traveled back and forth from Detroit. He lived in the bad parts of Detroit. But then he came here and, you know, he wanted better. So he taught me better. He wanted, he taught me that to how to be humble. And okay, I do get a lot of stuff, but not to be spoiled. I, I can't have this, but I still have to work for it. I can get a job, but learn how to spend money the right way. Don't get, you know, this and that confused with what this is. So I think he was my greatest inspiration that I wanted to be able to make him proud. I wanted to be able to make my mom proud. I wanted them to have something new in their life that, you know, they could get excited for. And basketball was that for me, was that for my brother. My brother was a, a great football player, a great basketball player. So we kept them busy. And that was just something that they didn't have before. And I think once we realized, you know, where sports could take you and, you know, do stuff that they didn't do. So I, I went to college. I graduated high school. I, I graduated from college. I sent my family members on their first flights to come to my graduation. So it's like stuff like that is is what inspires me that I just want them to experience, to get the experience that I got and to show them that, you know, there's more to life than Covington, Kentucky. And that's what I think a lot of people miss out on because they just stay in one spot. And then you have to break that cycle. And I feel like I broke a lot of generational curses in my family. And I think that was just the inspiration for me. And I just, I've just always wanted to be the best I could be and, you know, be a leader. So then that basically turned into my why. And I did it because nobody's ever done it before in my circle, in my support system. So once I once I nailed that and I got that in my in my back, I was just like, okay, how how do we do this now? And so then that's what meeting a lot of great coaches. I played on a lot of different AAU teams. You like you said about connections. I met a lot of uh, people, and I still talk to them till this day. That helped me through high school and college and decision making and stuff like that. So now it's kind of like, how do I pay it forward? How do I get to the point and where, you know? I get to the the big stage and now I have the resources and the people to give back, to teach others and young kids. And now, you know, like I said, I have a daughter of it. She'll be two in a couple of weeks and now I have to show her the ropes. And I think the scariest thing is trying to imitate your parents. And I want to, because I'm like, when I look at myself, I'm like, I turned out all right. <laughs> so how do I, how do I instill the same things they did? And you got to think there's a lot more distractions these days. So my why is different now. And now I have to change my course and how I reflect that to my daughter. So it's just, it's a lot. And you think about it a lot as a parent, but it really doesn't change. You still have to stick to a course. And once you figure that course out, I feel like that's just going to be my key to get my daughter, you know, to be successful and to continue my success because I want her to be there. 
and, and be hands-on because I've always been a hands-on learner. So I think that's what helped me the most in my life is wanting to be there in the middle of it, learning, being open, coachable, um, being genuine and real. So I think that's a, that's a lot of help that, you know, can help anybody else as well. So I'm just going to try to instill that still to, in my life and then into my daughter's life. One thing that really stood out to me in all of that is you say you did this because of your family and you mm -hmm. wanted to like break the curse and everything like that. But thinking of the bigger picture and like being from Covington and everyone knowing who you are, mm -hmm. you're not only like inspired like your family, but the community as a whole. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like what is so surprising because like mm -hmm. from an outsider, like I went to Holmes, like we didn't even go to school together. Yeah. So like I always saw you as like the rival, but mm -hmm. like I was like, even though she goes to the <laughs> to the wrong school, I got to respect the game. Like, mm -hmm. you know, like, and, but the thing is, is there's probably other little girls out there who are watching you who are like, okay, like I want to be like her. Mm -hmm. And it's just like you being from Covington going on to play division one is showing not only your family, but the community that it's possible. Mm -hmm. And my question for you is like, how, how did you get to that point? Because a lot of kids dream of doing that. Right. Like, what did it take for you to land that scholarship? It definitely took a lot of discipline. Um, but when you when you made the comment about saying you had to respect my game, that's just just how I came off. Um, I think respect goes a long way, and I think that in some nature you have to demand respect, but then you also have to show them that you're humble as well. And I think I I played both of those parts very well. So it's kind of like, I was just a genuine person. Like I'm a genuine person and I, I love greatness. So when people look up to me and those girls used to come and say, well, how do you, what did you? And I felt like I could have been better as far as interacting wise. Um, but then there was a lot on my plate that I had to learn how to balance. And, you know, I, I felt like I did a great job balancing, but I don't know if I really balanced a lot more of what I could have done with other people and other little girls. And I think I was just a lead by example and not physically hands-on with them. Even though I, like I just said, I'm a hands-on person, but when you're trying to get to a destination, your focus is, is really, if you can be disciplined to focus to get to where you need to be, then you really do focus on that. And like I said, thankful for my dad, he kept me focused. So I got to that point but there was a point in time where I feel like there, I have to give back some way, somehow. Um, I did the lead by example. I showed them that you could get there. And then there's, there's people below me that went to even better schools or even better offers and everything. And I'm like, that's so crazy, but it's so, it's such a blessing. And that's happiness that like, they really, we got there, we did it. And you know, everybody wants a scholarship. My mom and dad were so happy. They're not in, I don't have any student loans. They're not in any debt. We didn't have to spend any money. So it's like, that's just something blessing. that you, yeah, that's so just blessing. something that you dream of. And it's, it's hard, but if you stay the course and you know where you want to go to get there and you're dedicated, you're, you're going to get there. And I think that's one thing that I showed leading by example is that if you stay the course, then you're going to get there. And I feel like that's what I did. And that's why, you know, a lot of people looked up to me and, you know, I used to check in with a lot of people and, 
would check the stats. And, you know, there was a couple girls that I talked to that I knew looked up to me and, you know, I stayed in contact and, you know, they went on and played basketball somewhere and they got degrees and, you know, they're living well and they, and they still reach out and I still check on them. So that's, that's the positive thing about it. Um, but I do wish I would have been a little bit more hands-on with the younger, with the younger crowd as much as I could while I was here and, and playing that role. Um, but there's still time. There's still time to give back. There and there's is. still time to to do some stuff. I, I got some stuff planned one day that that's going to happen. Um, but I'm just going to stay the course and I'll make it happen one day. That's all that matters. <laughs> it's never too late to do something. Correct. And that's the thing. It's like, yes, yeah, like we can always think back in time and be like, damn, I should have done this or mm-hmm. I should have did that. But in reality, you can still do it. Right. It's just like when the time is right, you'll know, mm-hmm. but you don't want to overwhelm yourself by trying to do too much at once. Right. So it's like when the time's right, you'll know. Mm-hmm. I, I can already see it now. The Asia Bill basketball camp, <laughs> Holy Cross or something like that. Like mm-hmm. something, something where it's like, okay, like it's going to be basketball related and yep. it's going to be giving back to the community and mm-hmm. I'm here for it. Yes. I'm all for it. <laughs> Earlier, you mentioned how you're going, you would be going into your fourth year of mm-hmm. commentating and different things of that nature but COVID happened oh, yes. and things are finally going back to normal uh, but COVID screwed up a lot of people's lives mm-hmm. so my question to you is how did you maintain your mental health and how did you take care of yourself so the crazy part is that at the end of 2019 um, December was my last game that I commentated and then I was like okay I can't keep traveling. I have a baby. My grandma, she had high risk. Um, so I went from taking Amira with me to the games and to doing all that to just being at home. So here I am being a mother and not doing the commentating anymore. And then it's just like, what am I going to do? So we're stuck in the house. Can't do anything. I'm a stay-at-home mom. And I'm like, this is not for me. Like, I can't, I mean, all we were doing was we were waiting on my mom and them to get off work and then we'd go see them. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, this can't. So I reached out to somebody and I ended up getting a nine to five. Um, And my grandma watched my daughter. So then I was like, okay, do I travel? Do I not travel? So I didn't do the commentating at the beginning of 2020. Um, And then it took me a minute to actually take my daughter to go see her dad down in Florida because I'm like, the traveling was scary. So I went those first couple months, probably until like April or May, January, January to April or May, where I wasn't working and I was just being a stay at home mom and terrified of this COVID and everything else. And I had to check myself a couple of times. But like I said, I have the greatest support system ever. So my family would get a mirror so I could have a break and that, you know, I could still go hang out with friends or not even hang out, but invite them over because we couldn't go outside. So it was an adjustment, a major adjustment. Um, and then I started going to work. And so then I had to be really careful. But me actually working and changing my daily routine, it definitely helped. So I never went into any type of depression or anything. It just, there was some some dark days where you're just like, what? Like, and you're just doing the same routine. Just wake up, be a mom, play with the baby, take naps. And I'm like, yeah, no, this isn't for me. Like, we got to get out and do stuff or she's got to see other people. So it was just those couple months that were a little rough. But like I said, I have a great support system. So it didn't it didn't make me, you know, that 
that bad. I didn't feel like I was that bad and I never went into depression. So once I started working, then, then that made it even better. But I'm so happy things are going back to normal. Same. Somewhat. Because like, it was, <laughs> it was like a shock. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, you're so used to this everyday life and yeah. you're just like, I'm just going to go here and go here. And then it's like, Oh, mm-hmm. I can't even get food. Like, yeah. Couldn't even get toilet paper. <laughs> like, it was wild to me. But I just wanted to say thank you, mm-hmm. first of all, for just hopping on, telling your story. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will be inspired by hearing just, like, how level-headed you are and how humble you are, as you said before. And it's it's facts. Like, you're not lying. And mm-hmm. it's just, like, you carry yourself very well. And I think that's the most important thing is, like, you're easy to talk to and easygoing. So I love that. Um, if anyone wants to continue having a conversation with you, whether it's about sports or basketball or anything that we talked about today, uh, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Uh, probably my Facebook. It's my first and last name, and you'll see a picture of my daughter and myself. That's always my profile picture, so you know it's me. Um, but I'll definitely respond on on Messenger and on Facebook. That's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me. All righty. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'll put all of Deja's information in the description below. Thank you guys for listening in. And always remember, find your purpose and ignite your why.